Let's pray. Gracious God, on this beautiful day, speak to each and every one of us the word that you would have us hear on this day. A word about your commandments, your callings, and your love. In your name we pray, amen. The Ten Commandments, the ultimate, the ultimate test that everybody knows, right, of, of what God wants us to do. Now, many, if not most, people think this will be the exam God will administer for admission into heaven. Ten questions, that's all. But how you answer doesn't matter, it's what you did. You see, your life was the test. Right? I hope I make it. I've tried to be a good person. So how will you do? Pull out the half sheet, the Ten Commandments, on that insert for you. So let's do a trial self-grading exercise. You know, before you're really at the pearly gates. So you, can, you still have a chance to turn things around if you're in trouble. Could give you some things to work on. Or if you prefer, you could have your spouse fill it out about you or other family members. But before we grade ourselves on this, I want you to look at the gospel text with me. Jesus summarized the whole law, the Ten Commandments included, with two laws. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second law is what? Love your neighbor. Everything is summarized by those. You do those two things, you can't go wrong. Now, this means that the point of these laws, if you examine the meaning of the word love, the point of these laws is not only to prohibit us from doing certain things, don't do this, don't do that, don't kill, don't lie, and the like. It also means, more so even, to engage in positive proactive acts of love toward your neighbor so that your neighbor's life might thrive and flourish. And by the way, your neighbor is everyone who is not you. <laughs> so it's your family members, it's your friends, it's not just the person who lives across the street or someone you don't know on the other side of the world. So, as Luther famously pointed out in the small catechism, yes, it's true, we are not to bring harm of any kind to our neighbor prohibition. But also, we are to help our neighbor with all of his or her earthly needs. This, in fact, is our primary calling in life. Yes, we are not to lie about our neighbor, but also we are to defend our neighbor, speak well of her, and put the most charitable construction that we can on her actions. So, as we go through these, and by the way, the whole, the way language has become a game and playing fast and loose with the truth, oh my goodness, is this uh, commandment applicable uh, today? Um, yeah, yeah. So, as we go through these, I offer brief commentary on each, and I invite you to, to consider the deeper meaning of the commandments that 
Jesus and Luther stated quite clearly to love God and neighbor and not just avoid doing bad things. Okay, everybody ready? No looking on at your neighbors. Okay, number one, you shall have no other gods, says God. And thus begins table one of the commandments, the ones having to do with God. In what or whom do you place your trust in life? Is God always number one to you, or do you put, other, you put your trust or too much trust in other things? Things like your reputation, your achievements, your money, or that, or that one thing that can command your attention and devotion anytime, anywhere, your smartphone. Put down a grade for yourself. You have false gods ever? Be honest. Number two, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. So how often, how often do you uh, blankety-blank-blank? Blank? <laughs> um, we also make wrongful use of God's name if we use God's name to justify something that we want but God does not support. If we ever assert that God hates, you fill in the blank. Or God wants me to be rich and you to be poor, apparently, we're probably using God's name in vain to invoke God's name in such a way. Positively, do you instead call on God's name in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving, as Luther advised? Grade, please. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Do you keep Sundays holy, starting by going to church every Sunday? The idea here, of course, is to rest and take care of yourself, reconnect with God so that you don't burn out, and also, this means take care of creation so it doesn't uh, fry. The holy part is to remember whose creation that it is, to whom we belong, and to worship God. It's sort of like getting our script for life straight. <laughs> That's why the Sabbath day. Grade? I could, I could ask you to call out your grade, but I have a feeling it would be... Honor your father and mother. Yes, it means respecting them even, even when you think that you know more than them, young people, or middle-aged people. <laughs> it also means when your parents are in a nursing home, you still honor them. And it also means when your dad talks loudly in a movie theater during the quiet part of the movie because he can't hear that well and everyone looks at you, you honor and respect him. How do you do with honoring your parents? Uh, fourth, you shall not kill. But of course, this one means not only crossing the obvious line of killing someone, it also means hurting them in any way. Bullying comes to mind immediately. Major problem out there. And, uh, uh, it's been exacerbated by social media, of course. What kind of person are you? A life-giving person or a life-deflating person? This also means, of course, that we help our neighbor in his or her everyday earthly needs, as pointed out. Fifth, you shall not commit adultery. This, of course, is about being faithful 
or it, it addresses being unfaithful, breaking or helping someone else break a commitment they've made to someone else. And if a commitment is not being broken, this commandment also prohibits one from using someone in any way for sexual purposes without tending to their well-being and their whole person. More broadly, not turning someone into an object viewing, by viewing them sexually without regard for the person. On the proactive side, it simply means doing everything that we can to affirm someone's whole personhood as a subject, not an object, as, some, as someone that God made as sacred and of great value. Great. You shall not steal, taking what is not yours. And this often gets sort of envisioned as, you know, petty thieves of some sort. But of course, it's relevant in higher places too, like hedge fund operators in 2008, for instance. <laughs> think there was some thievery going on there? I think so. Some raise the question whether it is theft in God's eyes if someone has 10 coats or two while their neighbor has none. It's a fair question. It also means helping your neighbor protect what is theirs and seeing to it that everyone has enough. You shall not bear false witness. Not telling the truth, of course. Lying to gain an advantage or massaging the truth to keep something concealed. This world is broken largely because it is not a trustworthy place and uh, not telling the truth is the worst thing for it. On the proactive side, as we discussed, how can we defend our neighbor and give our neighbor the benefit of the doubt because after all, we are called and we want them to succeed in life not to come crashing down by lies and innuendo. We are called to create a more trustworthy, dependable world. And the last two I'll lump together, uh, the covet commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or stuff, neither shall you not covet your neighbor's wife or servants. This one may be more attitude than action, but oh, how it shapes our actions. Hmm? To covet is to possess it in your heart, to want something or someone you don't have, rather than celebrating what you do have. It leads to jealousy and envy and hearts that are unable to be grateful. Worse, it leads to greedy manipulations and using people for your own wants and needs. Okay, so if you were to sort of average out your grades on those 10, how did you do? Okay, who got an A+. I, I dare you to raise your uh, A's and B's, C's and D's, a mix. You might be asking, well, what's, what's the curve here? What is God's cutoff point? Uh, B average, C, or do you need all A's? I think many people who fancy themselves pretty decent people will give themselves a respectable B or B minus maybe so that they can be appropriately humble, but, you know, still be better than the real slackers. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, here's, here's the bad news. Uh, and the first big point for today. The Ten Commandments cannot save you no way, no how. In fact, they have nothing whatsoever to do with saving you. If the Ten Commandments are a test and a gateway to God and heaven, no one's getting in. 
Not even close. But that's not why the Ten Commandments are there. They're not there as a stepping stone for you. The commandments were, first of all, given for your neighbor, not you. They're given as a calling to you for the sake of your neighbor. And secondly, the commandments are a mirror. A mirror in which we see how, frankly, compromised we are. And perhaps that was a mirror experience for you, kind of jotting down your your grade. How broken we are, as we just saw with our self-grading. The commandments prompt us to look, when we're honest with ourselves, to look for hope outside of ourselves, which is our only shot. And that's an important step. It's been said that the commandments drive us to the foot of the cross, awaiting salvation. But here's another important point. Even if you got an A on the Ten Commandments, even if you're able to perfectly obey the Ten Commandments, you're not going to get into heaven this way. Why? Because the law cannot save you. Trying to merit worthiness for salvation is like trying to build a warp speed spaceship out of plywood. Good luck. The law cannot save you. Only God can. And this leads to a fundamental misconception about God's law. A majority of Americans, it is um, determined over and over again with surveys and conversations, view the Ten Commandments as the way to establish a right relationship with God by making yourself acceptable, presentable to God, and so forth. But the truth is, and this is the second major point of the sermon today, only God can establish a right relationship with us. And the good news is, God already has. And we don't have to wait until the New Testament to learn this. God's chosen people, the Hebrews, already were God's people, or the Red Sea would have never parted, nor would manna have appealed have appeared in the wilderness for them to eat. In our text today, you may have noticed, God says to Moses, tell the people, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery, who bore you on eagles' wings. In other words, God is saying, I've already saved you. I've got your back and always will. Now live like it. In other words, don't worry about yourself. I got you covered. Care about other people. Tell them there's a God who cares about them. This is your calling, each of you in your own sphere of influence. Then, then he gave the Ten Commandments to his people, not so that they could become God's people and learn how that happens, but because they already were God's people, because they had already been set free. Even more so, we are free, holy, completely, and for all time through Jesus, free not to worry about ourselves and our fate, free to trust God, not a self-improvement plan called the Ten Commandments. And what are we free for? I think you know the answer at this point. To love God, to love our neighbor, and to give thanks that God loved us first. The commandments help us to give shape to what it looks like to love our neighbor and God in this world. 
Amen.